it's our third week as we speak about, obviously there's been a couple of weeks already that we've been speaking about Holy Spirit, and uh, two weeks ago we started talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, Kilton did a good job talking about love, the first of the nine. We spoke about love, and, and it's come to my understanding that for us to be able to go into the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to literally have to stop almost a week at each of these. And that could be that some of them are easier for us to go through, and we could do two or three at a time. But love is such a crucial thing, you can actually talk a number of weeks about love, isn't it? And so um, I'm going to move on to the next one. But in doing that and talking about the fruit of the Spirit, I'm just going to mention this. Because it's utmost important. We don't want this to be an academic study of the fruit. But what I want to encourage you towards is that actual fact, as we talk about the fruit, and, and eventually also the gifts of the Spirit, uh, it's not done to make us perform or try to achieve or earn these. Because we cannot. Because we can't earn them. We can't achieve them. Like, yeah, I'm working hard, so more fruit is coming. No, no. Actual fact, when we talk about the fruit, it's encouraging you with your daily walk with Jesus about Him. Because that enables you to have fruit. So, again, as we discuss this week by week, we're going to using it primarily and really to encourage you with, about your walk with Jesus. Because that produces fruit. So, just this. Quick slide. It says the fruit of the Spirit should always be described as the fruit that Holy Spirit produces in us. It's not something that we can manufacture. It is your relationship with Holy Spirit that enables you to have the fruit of the Spirit in you. You don't produce it. He does. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> the opposite of this, and we've spoken about it before, is that it, the works of the flesh. But what we want is the fruit of the Spirit, which is connected to our, and completely dependent upon my relationship with the Lord. That's why my, my fruitfulness as a person, your fruitfulness is directly linked, not to your knowledge of the nine fruit and how good you can remember them. <laughs> but your fruitfulness about this is dependent upon your relationship with Jesus. It's always going to be that. There's nothing different that will enable you. And that's why if you're battling with any of the fruit, right? All those of you that know, know the nine or some of the nine, love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, all those. How many of you are battling with any of them? How many of you are battling with none of them? All right, because if you do raise your hand now, we've got to take a picture of you, put it on Facebook. Because yeah, you're good. You're really good. Anybody want to raise their hand? Oops. I'm not raising my hand. I'm just holding my head. <laughs> Don't know where else we go with my hand. None of us are. Is that good? Can you hear me? None of us are able to say, listen, I, I have no issue with any of those. I'm, I'm like, I'm good with all of them. Because <laughs> we can't really. All of us are battling with with. With some of the fruit. So the thing that we should do if we do battle, and all of you do, don't question your effort to produce it 
Rather consider your effort to be linked to Jesus. Okay? Think it's up there. If you're battling with any of the fruit, don't question your effort to produce it. Oh, I'm going to just try harder to love more. I'm going to just try harder to have more peace. No, no. Rather consider the effort that you're currently putting in to be linked to Jesus because that is the key. <laughs> it's not more of this and more of that. It is more with Him that gives you more of that. Does it make sense? All right. But then there's, there's this word that, that you see up there called effort. 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 It's like that's not really a word that we'd love to look at, isn't it? Because effort is, seems like I've got to work hard. And, 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 and many times we think that, you know, effort is actually opposed to grace because God has just given us so much grace. I don't have to put in any effort. It's just going to happen. <laughs> but listen to this. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. The grace of God is there. Absolutely. We're so thankful for His grace. None of us are saved and can be saved without grace. But grace does not mean that we shouldn't put in any effort. What grace is against is earning, trying to earn something. Oh, I'll just try harder. Then I will deserve more. I'm going to just work hard at this so that God can see my effort and then bless me with so much more. Grace is against earning, not against effort. And one of the greatest mistakes we make in this area is to think that spiritual growth is achieved by growing or hard work. You know, I'm going to grow more. I'm going to have more of this fruit of the Spirit in my life because of trying harder. It doesn't happen that way. But next to this thinking is to think that grace without effort will do it. I'll just sit at home <laughs> and it's like the fruit will just happen. Whoa, where did that love come from? <laughs> you know, I can be disengaged from God and disengaged from His Word and I mean, the fruit will just come. It's like, I never thought about Jesus this week, but it's, like, it's just amazing how much more joy I have in my life. Sure, this is wonderful. This grace thing of God really is working. <laughs> no, I, I want to suggest to you that the Bible talks much about effort. It doesn't say that you've got to make it happen to be saved and make it happen to grow spiritually um, in terms of your, your character. But you've got to contribute something. Let, let me just quickly show you. Uh, in James 4, it says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. So what does draw mean? It means effort, isn't it? I've got to do something. I've got to draw near to God. By the way, one of the things that we can do to draw near to God is to come to a meeting like this. Was this effortless for you this morning? <laughs> yeah, particularly if you have a couple of kids that you needed to bring along as well. Or maybe your husband that you had to bring along, if there are some of you. I can just try to find a, a, a suspect. 
<laughs> I've got to just find somebody to say, well done, wife. Nikki, you're amazing. It's just <laughs> or was it the other way around? <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not go there. All right. Point is, there was certainly some effort this morning. I mean, I mean, it's still an effort because it's hot. <laughs> and, you know, you've got to listen to me. That's perhaps maybe the biggest effort this morning. <laughs> that you, well done, good and faithful servant. You're doing well. Give yourselves a hand. <laughs> so there is effort involved. We actually see that in, in, in Luke 19, there's the story of the short man. He's a little bit shorter than Vic. Um, so you're not that short, Ruth. <laughs> I'm going to say there are shorter people. <laughs> the, his name was what? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Why are you calling some other name there? Anyway, um, and so Zacchaeus, he's like, I want to see Jesus. And maybe he also wanted Jesus to see him. He's like, hey, I'm going to climb up the le- this tree. And, and we see that there's effort in There's this woman who had an issue of blood. She wanted to be healed. It was a massive effort for her to push through the crowd. And to actually come and touch the hem of his garment. Paul actually talks about this effort too. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I discipline my body and I keep it under control. That's an effort. <laughs> he says there's some things that I, that I want to do that I shouldn't do. And there's some things that I should do that I don't do. Oh, it takes a bit of effort to overcome that. You agree? So effort is not a, it's not a curse word. Like some other, oh, I can't put effort because it's all about grace, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I can just sit on, the, on my couch and watch TV all day and the fruit will just come. You know, not against TV. But watch the TV, just turn it off. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, um, and then we also find in Hebrews, it says, particularly for this kind of a thing, do not forsake the assembly of one another. That takes effort. That takes commitment. And again, well done for all of you. But this is part of our lives. To see something happen, we've got to put in some effort. Therefore, the effort that is needed to see the fruit of God's Spirit in our lives is directly linked to the effort we put into our relationship with Jesus. So I don't produce fruit in my life. But I can see it grow in my life if I put in effort into relating to Jesus. And that is more than just once a week on a Sunday where I give him, I'll give you my two hours. <laughs> no, it's, it's, this is a daily relationship. And those of you that are in this relationship called family, marriage, Having children, raising children, building your marriage. You know that it takes effort. Come on. This is now the time where the husbands should nod their heads. <laughs> and the wives should also. Um, but it takes effort. I mean, children, my goodness. My wife's not here, so I can talk freely this morning. <laughs> It's never been an effort. <laughs> Please tell her this. <laughs> it's just been a joy. Maybe it's been a massive effort for her. That's why she's gone to see her parents. No. <laughs> no, Samina's with her folks because they, they're moving. 
from the farm where they live in South Africa, and she's gone to help them. They lived on this farm for almost 60 years, and so it's a big thing. Samin grew up there, she was born from there, and, and lived there for many, of, many years until I saved her from the bush. <laughs> Where's this preach going this morning? Anyway, come back, come back. So effort is needed in doing the things that matter to us. The things that matter to you today. It takes effort to work at that thing. It doesn't just happen quickly. And so the same with the fruit of the Spirit. It's not I put in effort to make it happen in my life. Ooh, love more, love more, love more. It's pursue Jesus. And the outcome of that is fruit. So fruit follows from my relationship with God. So every time we will talk about a specific fruit, again, as an introduction to joy this morning, we will remind each other about the importance of the process. And I think it's a great excuse to keep on talking about the process. Because the whole pur purpose that you are still alive is because of the process. What process is that? Relationship with Jesus. To become more like Jesus. To ultimately do what Jesus wants us to do. So we don't just become more like Jesus like, oh, do I, do you think I look like him? Well, yeah, maybe while you smile and the way you sing or whatever. But, but you know what? Don't just try to look like him. Act like he did. Do what he did. Oh, and that's another ball game. All right? We don't have enough time to turn to that. So our responsibility to you as elders, as one another towards you is this. is to disciple you to a living relationship with God. That's why we gather. That's why we stir one another. That's why we need to disciple one another. So that the product of the process called relationship with God, the product of that effort will result in people being drawn closer to Jesus, which will enable us to become more like Him and represent Him well. So in other words, simple terms, we want to grow closer to Jesus so that we can become more like Him and the fruit of God's Spirit will be more evident in our lives and that will influence other people. So the fruit, by the way, that you're carrying is not for yourself. The fruit that you're battling is not so that you can look better for yourself. It's so that God can use your life, my life, to show to the world how real He is. So guess what? You're going to keep on battling with fruit because it's not a simple task to represent Him. If it was just about you, stop with everything and just be what you want to be. I'll just be Vesey in terms of what I want Vesey to look like. No, it's not what I want to look like. It's what He wants me to look like. And what, is, what does He look like? Who is he? So my relationship with him is therefore so incredibly important that daily I get to know him more so that I can become more like him. And the fruit of the Spirit shows that, that I become more like him. So our next one, therefore, Galatians 5, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then this morning, we're going to just talk about joy. Joy, joy, joy. So I want to just show you the evidence of joy on some individuals in the Bible and, and, and use that to just help us celebrate and understand a little bit more about joy. So why don't you go with me to Psalm 16. We're going to see and, and look at David and joy. Uh, the person called David and, and what joy in this particular instance, we don't have again the time. I mean, we literally could take a whole morning just to talk about David and joy and how that realized itself in the Bible. 
And so Psalm 16 is this beautiful, beautiful chapter. Um, we're right at the end. In verse 11, um, we see this, in a sense, it's this culmination of the whole song. It says there in verse 11, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, so this is what David is saying. I find everything that I really need in God. But look at the steps leading towards that. It says in verse 1, some strong statements that he makes. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. This is talking about the process. Verse 11 is almost the fruit of the process. So you and I are basically finding ourselves in a similar situation. We want to see this fruit of verse 11. I want to say this, your presence, this fullness of joy. I find everything that I need with you. But I've got to just kind of like steer myself towards it. In verse 1, for in you I take refuge. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you, verse 2. He says in verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. I find everything I need in you. I have chosen you. I have purposely decided to follow you. Indeed, he says in verse 6, Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance because of what God has for me. Then look at this in verse 8. I'm just rushing through it, talking about David and joy. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Again, these are, these are strong decisions that he has made. And it's similar for us. To be able to experience this amazing joy that is a fruit of the Spirit, there's going to be a process that you and I commit ourselves to. And that process includes things like, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. That is an absolute commitment towards God and say, God, I, I know that I will go through stuff, but I will not be shaken even if I go through them because I've set you before me. Who stands before you and me? Who are we setting? Who are we focused on? Because whatever you focus on will make you stand or fall. If it's God, He will. It says you will not be shaken. Then it says in verse 9, Therefore, because I'm not shaken, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Now David went through tough stuff. <laughs> no doubt. He was not just cruising along. Like a Sunday afternoon cruise when they just wave at the people. You know, it's like, man, it's just traffic is fine. There's no issues and... He's just cruising along. No, his life was not a cruise. His life was full of stuff and challenges. But he says here, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices because my flesh also dwells secure. How beautiful is that? It's illustrating something that when we set our focus, that when we commit it to the process, God keeps our hearts in a good place. And then it says in verse 11, in your presence there's fullness of joy. So beautiful. So beautiful. And that's where we want to live. We want to live from the reality of God's presence and respond to everything in life from that perspective. Joy then comes because I've set my heart. I've focused on Him. I will not be deterred. 
Let's look at Nehemiah and joy. Nehemiah is our next character that we want to look at and see how, how joy was part of his life. Nehemiah, simple story. Those of you who don't know, Nehemiah was in exile. They were in sin, Israel. And so they were taken away from Israel and they were put into Babylon, into captivity and, and, and away from their home. And so some of the people stayed in Israel. They weren't taken into captivity. Nehemiah is a cupbearer in the house of the king, in his empire, in his palace. And he hears about the plight of his people where the wall had been broken down of their city. He's concerned about them. He goes back and he helps them to rebuild it. All right? And during this time, we see in Nehemiah 8, the following take place. Now, now what has happened, they've rebuilt this in a record time, like 52 days. And um, one of the things that they need to also restore, not only the building of the wall need to be done, but they also needed to, do, to restore public worship. Because over the years since this, this exile had taken place, public worship in the temple has not happened. The, the law, the book of God um, was not read publicly. And so here's a moment where this is now reinstated. And so it says here in Nehemiah 8 and verse 9. Now let me read to you from there. It says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For the people wept as they heard the words of the Lord. Of the Lord. Then this is what Nehemiah said. And he said to them, Go your way, now sending them home. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone. I've never said that to you on a Sunday morning. Eh? Go home, eat fat and drink sweet wine. I mean, it's biblical. I can actually say that to you. Hey, I don't know why you're going to eat fat this afternoon, drink sweet wine, go and try to find it. But then it says, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to the Lord. And he says, do not be grieved. Why? It says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is where we get this famous passage from where we often quote, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But what we need to understand here is that Nehemiah was trying to tell them something very important. And Nehemiah knew that to experience joy, an inner restoration had to overtake the emotion connected to the exterior rebuilding of the city. So what they were happy about, and there was this weeping, like, oh, man, we haven't seen this in a long time. The Bible or the Word of God is being read again. But Nehemiah was trying to tell them that the greatest joy was not to see the city walls rebuilt, but to see people's lives change from within, which would result in authentic joy in their lives. So joy for him was not an exterior happening, was not an exterior or an an event that took place. He was saying, the joy that you really need to have is the joy of the Lord. That becomes your strength. Because tomorrow, the wall may be broken down again. Tomorrow, the bank rate could be different. Tomorrow, your new car is no longer new. Tomorrow, your wife is older. You are older. Your children aren't as cute as that they were when they were like 11 days. Now they're 11 years. 
and they do things differently. When they were 11 days, they didn't have a say. They could just not do anything. Now 11 years, they're like, why? Why? They ask these questions. They're like, you don't ask questions. You just do. But the point is that, that our joy is not found in the exterior stuff. Nehemiah is saying the greatest joy is your joy interior. Your joy in the Lord. About who God is. Not about our situation around us. And, and, and that's why we often say people are happy because of happenings. Happiness is often related to a happening. But joy is not related to happenings. It's great to have wonderful events and wonderful things. And when, you know, when, you, when somebody blesses you with a gift, man, actually that brings a real joy to people's heart. But that gift could you know, only last that long because sometimes chocolate doesn't last long with many of you. Uh-huh. And then what? There goes your happiness. There goes your joy until the next chocolate is given. No, no. Joy is something much deeper than just a happening. And so we too must rebuild from within as much as these walls were rebuilt. But the greatest joy is this, this rebuilding that takes place on the inside. Because we do live too much and become too dependent upon the rebuilding around us. If only the following could happen. And I've got a street, a road towards our, our house. I was just thinking about it this morning again as I drove down here. I'm like, oh, Jesus, what can I do to rebuild this road? <laughs> and it's been great. I travel up to the falls often, as you know, with the church there. And it's been great to see some of the rebuilding taking place. Uh, particularly some parts where it's completely new. It's like, whoa, that brings great joy until you pass. And then you go back to square one. Boom, 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 boom again. Like, there goes my joy. But therefore, we cannot let our joy, the joy of the Lord, the joy that God wants you and I to have as a result of the fruit, as a fruit of the Spirit, it cannot be found and dependent, made dependent upon exterior things. We've got to, therefore, push hard into our relationship with God so that the interior could change and that real joy could come from within. Therefore, if we do not know who God is, your joy, my friend, will always be very, very superficial. If you do not know who God is from Scripture, your joy is going to be dependent upon what you hear perhaps on a Sunday about God. And it will last until Sunday afternoon because then you, the 11-year-old will say again, why? <laughs> or oh, whatever age it may be. We need to have our own lives rebuilt so that true joy can become real authentic and genuine for others. And this is the challenge for us. We live in a world where people are looking for things to create some form of sustenance from and stability from, like exterior stuff constantly. Then I'm happy because that has happened and now I'm happy because that has happened and, and it's so good to hear that that has happened and praise the Lord, somewhere the rain's going to come and that'll make us happy again and, and, and we're just constantly waiting for these things to happen. I don't know, and it's not wrong and it's good to have faith and the half-mast people, with all due respect to you, if, if, if that flag could be hoisted to full mast, and like, man, that'll make me happy. But imagine being happy halfway up the mast. Regardless, 
Because that, that, that joy that the Bible talks about is not related to where you are positioned on the flag, on the, on the pole. Our true joy is dependent upon how we are rooted in God and in Christ. And so fruit can only come from proper roots. And your roots and my roots are not determined by anybody else but you. You're in charge of your roots, your root system. And so if you're currently not rooted well in God, well done for being here. I need to speak to you lovingly and kindly and and say, please, dig deep. Go deeper in your walk with Jesus. Pursue Him. Walk closer with Him. And if you need to ask for help with that, please ask. Please ask. The sad thing is that when, when the storms come, it's not if. Hey? It's not if the storms come. It's when they come. It exposes our root system. It does. There are certain trees in the natural that are just, they just created that way. God made them go deep. <laughs> They've got an incredible root system. And some trees are just different. When a, when a strong wind comes, they easily just topple over. I don't know about your life, but I know this, that if we find our roots in Him, sure, the winds, when they come, we will feel them, but they won't overpower us because of being established and rooted in Him. That when we need to bear fruit, that the world is desperate to see, people need to see the real joy. Hey, everybody walks around like they've just drunk the most sourest lemon juice and then ever. And then this face is like, you can't believe my lemon juice. No, let me tell you about my lemon juice. Hey, your lemon juice is nothing against my own lemon juice. It's like everybody's just like the worst lemon juice, you know, situation that they've all been. And I say that with all due respect because we've all got lemon juice stuff. Lemon juice stories. I don't know. I just don't like sour stuff. Do people come with these those sour um, sweets? Have you ever seen those, hey? Man, it's disgusting, those things. It's like they pull, I mean, it's like, feel like my whole face is going to burn or pull apart. <gasps> no, don't give me that, so I don't like it. <laughs> but in life, we, we have these sour things given to us. You have dealt a, a bad hand. And, but in the midst of that, we have a king who's amazing, who's so kind, so loving, that if we, if we dare to just spend time with him, Dare to just go deeper with our root system. What you will notice is that from within, there will be a life source found. That whatever you go through, you'll stand. And I, I love listening to stories of people that find it so challenging in life. And listen, I, I recently been to a wedding great celebration. I've been to a funeral. Actual fact, also a great celebration in the sense that the person who passed away knew Jesus. Deep root system. Beautiful that. And so we, we have these things in life. 
you just open your ears, you will hear about winds blowing. We talk about the, the physical winds blowing and there's storms all over the world and hurricanes and all sorts of things and floods. But in the spirit, these things are also happening in people's lives, relationally, financially, physically. People are challenged. And, and that's why when you stood this morning, it's an indication of the storms that we are in. That's why we have to talk about our relationship with God. I can't tell you, listen, please just have more joy. <laughs> Come on, get over it. Just, just have more joy. No, no, joy is the fruit of your roots in God. So the question is not how much of the, root, the fruit are evident in your life. The question really is how deep are your roots? deeper your roots. Because the deeper they go, the more fruitful the tree will be. And the tree will face challenge. Challenges daily, weekly. That's life. But in all of those things, we can have this incredible joy in God. We can talk about Jesus and joy and I. I'll probably want to talk about that next week because I don't want to rush this. I want us to be on this journey constantly encouraging each other. When we talk about Jesus and joy, the amazing thing about that is it's not this far-fetched joy that he had. But it's a joy that he prays we could have too. And we'll look at that next week. But I want to leave you with this. I want to just simply ask you a question or two. I want to ask you, how much joy are you currently experiencing in your walk with Jesus? Because a walk with Jesus should actually be the most joyful thing ever. I'm not asking you how much joy are you experiencing in your walk with people. Because that'll be, you know, dependent upon just situations and circumstances and what people are going through. And, and many of you are perhaps challenged in that regard. I, I want to just ask you, how much joy are you experiencing in your walk with Jesus? Because you can. And you ought to. Not because of your hard effort, but just because of making that a priority in your life. And as David said in Psalm 16, I set the Lord before me. I've set the Lord before me. Therefore, in His presence, there's joy forevermore. It starts by you setting. Joy is a fruit, is a result of a relationship. The second question that goes with this is, how much joy are you currently looking for? Are you looking for joy in your walk with Jesus? Or is it just a, I got to do it because it's the right thing to do? How much are you really looking for joy in your walk with Jesus? Because it's possible to experience, but you're going to have to want it. I'm not saying, hey, you're going to look for joy as a fruit just so that other people can see. I want to encourage you to pursue Jesus with the, this desire to say, God, I, I want to enjoy this with you. 
I want to enjoy this relationship with you and not just let it be a burden of, I've got to do it because the pastor says I've got to just spend time with God. <laughs> okay, how's it going with you and Jesus? I don't know, it's tough for me. I don't know how for him, but it's tough for me. It's like you get married because you want to have joy in being connected to somebody. Don't just get married because we want to have children and I just want to convenience sake, it helps me because of taxes and what, what, and <laughs> we can live under one roof and it's easier and cheaper and more whatever. No, we get married because we want to have this, enjoy the thrill of, of covenant, of relationship with one another. How's your marriage? How much joy are you currently experiencing in your marriage? Yeah, that's another question to ask. Oh, there's a, all right, all right. No details asked. No details asked. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that, Roy. <laughs> I will not ask any more questions this way. Maybe I'll just ask that way. <laughs> well, well, I want to encourage you. <laughs> you don't want to talk about it, Bongi. Let's not talk about it. No, no. But in your relationship with Jesus, how much joy are you currently experiencing in that? And how much are you looking for joy to be part of that relationship? Because it should be. It's the most beautiful thing. But man, I, that's why worship, when, when, we, when we have these moments of, of public worship, it, it is actually a moment where we can experience the joy of relating to Him. That's why you can just to open your hearts and to use your hands as a sign of surrender. And say, Jesus, I love you. The songs that we sang this morning, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Why is there joy here? Because of God's presence, and God's people. And we sing about that. We celebrate it. It's like, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. There's joy in the house. No. When I'm in love with someone, I want to tell them that. And I want to be joyful about it too. It's not a burden. Come on. So maybe sometimes we need to kind of just stir each other and, and challenge you. Get out of your comfort zones of just, come on, sing unto the Lord. Because it's the best thing to do to worship this King that has given everything for us. And a little bit of effort from your side to sing when we, and clap your hands and stand up and worship Him. Come on, you can do that. Come on. Amen. We're going to challenge you and love you towards that. All right. Love you all. Love you too. Love you, love you, love you. Let's pray. Lord, <laughs> what a joy to know you. <laughs> what a joy to be known by you. That you, you know my name. You know the very hairs on my head. For some it's easier because there's none. But Lord, you, you know everything about us. What a joy that is. It brings such comfort to our hearts. And I want to pray as we continue to talk about joy, Lord God, that we will see that it's not about joy, really. It's about Jesus. And, and the joy we can have in knowing Him, which produces joy in our lives through knowing Him. I pray, Father, that we will pursue the right thing, not joy, but Jesus. And pursuing Jesus will bring love, joy, peace, and all those things in our lives. And I pray for us as a church, Lord God, that the, the focus will be just like David had said, I set the Lord before me. I set the Lord before me.
He is my focus. He is everything that I'm longing for and running after. Lord, I pray that as a church, that's what we will be known for. Not our facilities, not, not our styles or buildings, but our pursuit of Jesus. Because that'll change us. That'll make us more fruitful. I trust for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.